Listen now for the word of God as it comes to us through the Gospel of Mark. Jesus also said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. And yet, when it is sown, it grows up and it becomes the greatest of all shrubs. And it puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in the shade. With many such parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today is not Father's Day, it is Mustard Day at Westminster. <laughs> Thanks for that, that was great. Let us pray. Lord, bless this time. May you speak through these words and the movements and the meanderings of our hearts and our minds as we listen together, as I speak, using words that I pray and do hope come in some way from you, for us, for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you see Larry, who is away this week, thank him. Larry, who has been here for mm, 14 years, has been leading and guiding this community of faith through periods of growth, through challenges, in a way that Whitney and I and Casey and others who have worked here and work here uh, have grown tremendously. That actually wasn't the words that I meant to say in the sermon because I want to talk about a different Larry, but we need to talk about the Larry that we know well. And so I just encourage you to thank Larry when you see Larry. But when you see the other Larry, and by the other Larry, I mean Larry Johnson, who is one of our church sextons, who's here every Sunday and every Saturday is here cleaning the sanctuary and moving around the whole building and readying it for all the many activities that take place here. That Larry deserves our great thanks as well. One of his weekly tasks is to put the letters in the sign out front indicating the sermon title of this coming Sunday's sermon. And apparently this week's title threw Larry for quite a loop. Veja Du and the evil of the two lessers. He asked the front desk, is that really what Patrick wanted? <laughs> and my answer to that is we'll see how I feel at the end of the sermon. <laughs> but it was intentional. <laughs> it was intentional. Veja Du is a term that uh, I encountered in reading a book called a More Beautiful Question, written by Warren Berger. Not that Warren Berger. Only in this crowd would that be a funny laugh line. 
Uh, and, and Berger references it by virtue of having seen it in a blog post by a Stanford professor named Bod Sutton. All that to say is we did not make this up. Veja du is obviously a play on the word, the phrase deja vu. If deja vu is the feeling that you have when a new place or situation feels oddly familiar, veja de, I've said it wrong already. <laughs> yeah, veja du. You should have seen spell check this week on my, when I'm writing this thing. Keep saying, no, it's deja vu. And I'm like, no, it's veja du. So, veja du is when you look at something familiar, but it looks new and different. It feels fresh. It's carrying a different meaning. It has a new significance. Marcus Borg wrote a book entitled Meeting Jesus Again for the First Time. And that is a quintessential veja du experience. When the Jesus that Borg thought he knew appeared to him transfigured in a wholly different light. Parables, like the one that Jesus shares in our text today, are essentially veja du stories. Jesus takes ordinary things like lost coins and dinner parties and misbehaving children and he uses them in stories to help his listeners perceive their familiar reality in a whole new way. Parables were Christ's way of helping people meet God and to see their life with God again for the first time. Today's parable offers us a kind of veja du experience which begins with Jesus asking his disciples a very beautiful question. With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable will we use for it? Jesus answered his own question by saying, the kingdom of heaven, of God, is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Jesus actually talked a lot about mustard seeds in the Gospels, which I suppose is no surprise given his emphasis on the golden rule. Slowly developing slowly developing, golden rule. This week in staff meetings, though, Tara Kane said, Patrick, if you keep doing this, we're going to call you Hattrick Punnycut. <laughs> so I'm shooting for three bad puns today. Anyway, as I was saying, the Gospels do include several mentions of mustard seeds. Luke and Matthew have their own versions of this parable in their Gospels. And Matthew has an additional reference when Jesus says, as Whitney shared with the children, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And the traditional and familiar interpretation of this mustard seed imagery focuses, 
as Whitney very well did in the message with the children, on the relative size of the seed to the shrub. The message being that in God's kingdom, that which seems small now will soon become mighty in power and glory. We think of the small boy, the youngest brother, David, who became the one who slayed Goliath and became Israel's celebrated king. Through mustard seed eyes, the seemingly insignificant bursts with significance, reminding us that it is in sweating the small stuff that we come to know the big things of love. I don't reject that interpretation today. It remains valid and useful. But it may be time for some veja do reframing that can help us to meet this parable again for the first time and also change our familiar understanding of what the kingdom of God looks like and where we may look to find it. For this reframing, we can credit a footnote in the study Bible that many of you have used in your year-long survey courses with Larry of the Old and New Testaments. There's a footnote that tells us, in not so many words, that this parable is not really about the size of the mustard seed or even the magnitude of the shrub that came from it, but the transforming power of the ground. The transforming power of the ground, the earth. Listen again to the parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest seeds of all the earth. And yet when it is sown, that is, when it is making contact with the ground, becomes the greatest of all shrubs. Jesus seems to be inviting us to focus not so much on the mustard seed itself, but what happens when it makes contact. If you hail generationally from the same era of children's programming as mine, you may remember the lyrics to the theme song for Contact, a science-oriented educational program. Contact, it's the secret. It's the moment when everything happens. Contact is the answer. It's the reason when everything happens. Contact. Let's make contact. It's so obvious, but yet we easily overlook it. That the mustard seed is nothing if it makes no contact with the earth. Upon the ground from which it alone may grow. That contact between seed and ground is the answer, is the reason when everything happens. And I believe that this can change, or at least modify, our understanding of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Though we typically think, though we typically think of God as dwelling up above, the parable of the mustard seed relocates God's dwelling place to the land down under. Heaven may not just be about harps and clouds floating 
pearly gates in gravity-free realms where the angelic hosts sing holy, holy, holy. It may be more about dirt and soil, the quiet understory of growth, and the mysterious emergence that happens when seeds make contact with the ground and then bear fruit and grow into the mighty shrub. Of course, there is a great need for the sun and the rain to fall from above. But that rain and that sun accomplish nothing unless first the seed is grounded. So first seed and ground, then sun and rain. The whole order changes. In a recent episode of Malcolm Gladwell's podcast called Revisionist History, we hear about a world-famous harmonica player named Larry Adler, another Larry. Adler was friends, apparently, with the legendary composer Frank Lesser. But apparently, Adler hated Lesser's wife, whom he called, that's right, the evil of the two Lessers. <laughs> now, I will confess that I heard that in the podcast and said, that's got to be a sermon title somehow. <laughs> and then we'll figure out how it relates to anything. <laughs> this is uh, preaching uh, confessions here today. However, I do believe, if you stay with me, uh, that little quip can show us how order and sequence can really impact meaning how the difference between the lesser of two evils and the evil of two lessers is very different merely by shifting the order in which you place the words. When Jesus told his disciples how to see the kingdom of heaven, he invited them to change the order, to look down before they looked up, to look down where the seed made contact, to look at the ground where the originating action occurs. That's where the mysterious magic of heaven happens, Jesus seemed to be saying. And it's a total vejadu. We thought we needed to stand on the ground to look up at heaven, and instead the action is right beneath our feet. So I want to offer three ways that we might participate or meet that action. But I'll begin first with a disclaimer that we must remember the second half of Jesus' question, which was, what parable shall we use to describe this kingdom of heaven? Jesus did not say which definition we should use. He did not say which law or treatise or doctrine. He said which parable. Parables are meant to reframe, to not define. So we are not offered here a textbook on heaven but a snapshot that helps us to see and picture life with God differently. And I believe that, one, this parable invites us to get our feet on the ground. And here I speak literally more than figuratively. What was the first thing that God said to Moses from the burning bush? Bush, by the way. God said, take off your sandals for the 
ground upon which you're standing is holy ground. What was the opening line of our hymn today? All people who on earth do dwell. So do dwell, people, on earth. Make contact. When is the last time that your bare feet made contact to honest-to-goodness soil and dirt, or maybe even just grass? We're so afraid of dirtying our feet and ruining our carpets that we separate ourselves from the very ground upon which the kingdom of heaven emerges. Richard Rohr, a writer, author, contemplative leader, refers to sin as a closing down into separateness. And with all the concrete on our earth, we become separated from that earth. It's simple, but let's get our feet dirty. See what happens. Secondly, if you are agitated or uneasy about the state of our country or our world, maybe shift your gaze for a moment away from the headlines at the top and move them down below to the footnotes. That is, take a look at the small print actions that can be taken locally in response to big problems globally. The prophet Jeremiah told the exiles who were sent away from their promised land into this place called Babylon, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Build houses, plant gardens, bloom where you are planted, in other words. I am intrigued, though I have not read, the new book by James and Deborah Fallows that looks into the footnotes of America, the small towns and neighborhoods where transformation and renewal are happening in ways that offer great hope to the country at large. Yes, Congress, the presidency, the Supreme Court, they all matter greatly. But so do city councils and small town mayors and school boards. So do civic leaders and organizations that are focused not only on the intersections of 16th and Pennsylvania or 1st and Constitution, but the corner of Duke and Patrick Streets or maybe Cameron and King Streets, just to pick a random few. A lot of people voted last week in Alexandria, at least relatively speaking. Hopefully, this portends greater civic participation in our life here in Alexandria or Springfield or Arlington, wherever you live. It is in the small ground that we shape the big picture. And lastly, in our personal lives and in response to the challenges we face. This parable invites us to start where we can touch, to be where our feet make contact with the ground. No matter how great our technologies or how lofty our ambitions, we cannot with all effort and strain 
pull the rain from the sky or make the sun shine down. We need most of all to remain simple, in simple contact with the ground of our being, where we are on this day, at this time. This ground can be a place of hope. Because wherever we are, whichever rocky and barren soil upon which we stand can still be the very place from which God's desires for us will emerge and grow and provide shelter for those whom we love. The mustard seed is small, but great is its ability to simply rest on the earth. In Richard Powers' book, The Overstory, a woman sits on the ground, leaning against a tree. The tree is saying things to her in words beyond words. The tree says, sun and water are questions endlessly worth answering. A good answer must be reinvented many times from scratch. And... Every piece of earth needs a new way to grip it. There are more ways to branch than any cedar pencil will ever find. A thing can travel everywhere just by holding still. Trees farther away join in, saying to the woman, Your kind never sees us trees whole. You miss the half of it and more. There's always much more below ground as above. That's the trouble with people, the trees say, their root problem. Life runs alongside them unseen, right here, right next, creating the soil, cycling water, trading in nutrients, making weather and building atmosphere, feeding and curing and sheltering more kinds of creatures than people know how to count. A chorus of living wood sings to the woman, if your mind were only a slightly greener thing, we would drown you in meaning. The pine she leans against says, listen, there's something you need to hear. Jesus says, let anyone with ears listen. For what should we compare the kingdom of God? What parable should we use to describe it? A mustard seed lies still on the ground. We have seen that seed before, but now it looks different. We can perceive its rootedness before the first roots even begin to grow. And its promised branches shelter the promise of growth not the evil of lessening. To look up, we may look down and find that the overstory of heaven dwells in the understory of God. So let's make contact. Amen.